Welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one delectable page of Talmud every day. Before I even tell you what I think today's stuff is kind of about, I want to read you one brief portion of it. Rav Yosef said, Have you removed the Tanaim from the world? It is a dispute between Tanaim. The Baraita is in accordance with the ruling of another sage and is not the result of a flawed Baraita, as it was taught in a Baraita. With regard to bread that grew moldy and is no longer edible, one is obligated to remove it due to the fact that it is suitable to be ground and to leaven other dough. Apparently, one is obligated to remove even inedible leaven. Now look, like many of you, I spent the first couple of months of quarantine enthusiastically telling myself that I could make sourdough, right? Because that's the cool thing. And here I am reading about a concept that seems to me pretty much anathema to my experience. This kind of idea that inedible leaven needs to be removed rather than, say, used as starter and sourdough. And it is my pleasure to welcome the rare individual who is an expert both on Talmud and on sourdough. Shai Krug, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And so in your uh, authority, uh, rabbinic as well as sourdough-ish, enlighten us because it seemed to say that the rabbis say in this page, hey man, the whole thing with a starter, the, the, the living bit that you use to make sourdough and is otherwise inedible. No, that's not happening. First of all, just to be clear, I'm actually not a rabbi. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a psychologist, but I do- um, A different kind know, I, of. A, a different kind, you certainly. So I guess a little bit about how sourdough works and why this idea in this bottom sachem is really interesting is that in order for bread to rise, and we all know that you know the, the bread obviously is, is not flat matzah, like but like you know nice leavened bread that has you know a nice aeration to it, needs to have some kind of leavening agent. There needs to be something in the bread that makes it rise. So nowadays we use things like commercial yeast, right? You go to the store, you buy a packet of yeast, you mix it in with your warm water, maybe a little bit of sugar, and you have your flour, and then you, you let it sit for an hour. And after that hour, the yeast starts to feed on the proteins in the flour, and that starts to cause fermentation, and that's what causes the rising action. And you kind of have this movement of, the, of this air that then lifts up the dough. But before we had commercial yeast, we had to have something else to cause that leavening. So, you know, this is your grandmother's grandmother's bread. You know, long before they had commercial yeast, this is the bread that they've been eating for thousands of years. What they would do is they would take some flour, they would mix it with water, and they would just let it sit there. And then the next day, they would add some more flour and more water. And what would actually happen is there's natural yeast that's found in the air. The yeast would kind of collect inside the dough and would start to feed on the proteins in the flour. And as you continue feeding this, this lump of dough with flour and water, and then the next day more flour and more water, then more flour and more water, you're kind of building a culture, a yeast colony in this dough. And eventually there's enough yeast culture in this dough that when you mix a small amount of this material, this of this dough, into a larger mix of flour and water, you end up having enough to cultivate enough growth that it will start to cause fermentation and aeration as the protein starts to, to get fed on by this yeast. So what ends up happening is this sourdough starter that is kind of sitting on your counter for day after day as it begins to cultivate this yeast production, the reason it's called sourdough is the fermentation and the creation of the alcohol in the sourdough starter starts to cause a sour smell. 
Uh, if you smell like beer or if you smell wine, you can kind of smell that fermented kind of... Uh, My kitchen smelled like that for a few weeks in March. From sourdough starter or just in general? From sourdough attempts. I will not call it starter. Right. So so that is the great thing that you want to have. So the, the, a nice, strong sourdough bread, certainly the ones if you go to like the San Francisco sourdough bread, which has a really sour taste to it. And in most sourdough breads that you'll have, you go to the store and you buy sourdough bread. In fact, most sourdough bread you buy at the store is not even really sourdough bread. It's actually just yeasted bread that they bake in a sourdough fashion. But you're supposed to have kind of this, this little sour taste to it. But the idea of sourdough starter being old dough and it by itself is not appealing to eat. If you've ever seen like a well-fed sourdough starter, it's bubbly. It's got this strong odor. It has this like sticky, sometimes somewhat liquidy texture. It's not particularly appealing. I've personally never eaten raw sourdough starter. I wouldn't recommend that anybody else do it. It's not particularly appealing. But the idea is that this little somewhat pungent collection of flour and water is actually the life of a loaf of bread. So here I have a fascinating question uh, because, you know, here the rabbis tell us, and, and I know from my friends, including my dear friend Alana, who is a sourdough, you know, absolute master, that the starter is something that, you know, you feed and you cultivate almost like a pet. And here the rabbis tell us, you know, you're obligated to remove even that inedible level. And so come Pesach, uh, you, who I assume as a master sourdough baker, cultivate the starter all year long. Do you remove it? Do you get rid of it once a year? So personally... I sell my sourdough starter. I give it a nice feeding before Pesach and I sell it so it's not in my possession. It's not under my ownership. And then at the end of Pesach, you can freeze sourdough starter. You can put it in the fridge and it can go a good few weeks without a feeding. But like other pets, if you don't feed it for a long period of time, it actually dies. So over Pesach, I will not be in possession of it because it really is. This is what leavened bread is, according to what Chazal referred to as leavened bread. This is the real leavened bread. So you know, it, it really is problematic to have because, you know, you're, you're really letting flour and water sit together for long, long periods of time. That's kind of what we talk about when we talk about leavening. Shai Krug, this has been a phenomenal introduction into both the world of Passover and leavened bread and the world of sourdough. Thank you so much for being our guest. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.